I'm Mercedes. And I'm Tash, and you're listening to episode 220 of Chat Disney. Welcome back to the Chat to Disney podcast, and this week we're going all Marvel over here, and we are going to be talking all things Guardians of the Galaxy, the Guardians of the Galaxy special we are calling this episode, and we're going to be talking a little bit about the, the first Guardians, or I'm going to be giving my take as a bit of a dummy on Guardians, and then Mercedes will be giving her full review of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. But before we get into that, let's have a quick look at what has been happening in the world of Disney this week. So kicking things off with the park closest to home, Disneyland Paris, and for the third consecutive week in a row, there are more cast member strikes continuing throughout the resort. Now, the strikes are in relation to a pension reform bill that basically raises the pension age from 62 to 64 in France, and numerous protests and strikes have occurred all over the country over the past few weeks. You may have seen some footage from Disneyland Paris because the cast members have literally been rioting with high-vis jackets. There's there's some really epic historical footage of, you know, hundreds of cast members protesting on Main Street USA. It really is quite a sight to behold. Now, forgive me if I'm wrong, Tash, but I'm pretty sure our pension age is way older than 64 in the UK. So if you ask me, I'd say pipe down and and get back to putting Mickey and the Magician on. (laughs) I don't know. I think maybe it is. I don't know. I mean, by the time we retire, we'll probably be like 84. So so yeah, there there we go. Um, Heading over to Shanghai Disneyland for some news as well. And Shanghai Disneyland has actually hit a major milestone and they have granted a hundred make a wish wishes very exciting in celebration of this and in anticipation of the next 100 wishes shanghai disney resort has put on a concert to benefit the make a wish shanghai and the concert took place in the theater in disney town and disney characters and dancers greeted nearly a thousand guests including those make a wish families partners and guests how lovely that is lovely and while you were chatting there Tasha I looked it up and it's 66 in the UK so you know you still got two years on us uh, to all of the French listeners Um, and moving on to Walt Disney World so this is some good news apparently your Walt Disney World holiday is about to get more affordable and this is according to Josh DeMauro who is of course the head of Disney Parks globally DeMauro participated in a QA and a at the JP Morgan Global Technology Media and Communications Conference last week and while he was there he answered some questions that related to the Walt Disney Company and obviously specifically focused on theme parks so during this Q&A, DeMauro outlined ways in which the company are intending to save guests money in the future for visiting Walt Disney World. So he emphasized that his goal is to make the parks more accessible to more people. Hallelujah. He said, what we're trying to do is have variable and flexible pricing everywhere that we can so that we can invite as many guests as possible to experience our park. So he said that, you know, there'll be initiatives like there'll be more days in the calendar year 
that are offered at the lowest ticket price, for example. And if that's not enough, he also wrapped up by saying that even inside the parks, they want to make sure that there's a variety of offers for guests so that they can choose how they're spending their time and how they're spending their money. So whilst he didn't give any specifics there, he did say that the pricing strategies are changing in certain areas because of the fact that Disney want Walt Disney World to be accessible to more guests. And we have some movie news as well today. And early ticket sales have actually showed that the live action adaptation of Disney's The Little Mermaid could be the worst performing Disney movie of 2023 in China. Very, very disappointing. We know that the Chinese love Disney and especially since Shanghai Disney has been brought over to China as well. And there's lots of speculation about this, but I think over here... We can imagine the reasons for this, and I think it has to do with something to do, let's say, recasting a certain princess um, from from how she was in, in the original. So I'm going to leave it at that. We don't actually know at the moment. Obviously, the film could be released and ticket sales could go up, but at the moment, it's the pre-sales. They aren't doing it too well. And in some better news, Disney has actually put out an open casting call for the role of Moana in the upcoming live action adaptation. So the lucky actress will be performing alongside Dwayne Johnson in the role of Maui. And the movie is due to start shooting later on this year. So, yeah, I think this is super exciting that we might see a brand new actress in the role of Moana. Yeah, and the casting call is looking for a teenage islander as well. So really great opportunity for the lucky princess. Moving over to another princess from a galaxy far, far away, Star Wars. We are, of course, talking about Carrie Fisher and her late homage to the Disney princess world, which was, of course, giving us the character Princess Leia. And Carrie Fisher's iconic Princess Leia dress is currently up for auction for $1 million. I'm sure it will actually end up selling for more than that, but there we are. That is a huge sum of money. And finally, a bit of business news, and Disney is expected to be heading into the third round of company layoffs. So we're leaving it on a bit of a sour note today. Um, But that does pretty much conclude everything that's been happening in the world of Disney this week. We're now going to move into the main part of the episode, our Guardians of the Galaxy special. So, as Tash alluded to in the intro today, we are going to be dedicating today's episode to all things Guardians. And I will be doing a full deep dive and review and sharing my thoughts of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. But before we do that, we're going to do something a little bit different this week. And we're going to start with our segment, which for today is a dummy's guide. So I'm going to give my take on Guardians of the Galaxy volume, is it volume one? Um, Little disclaimer, I have actually seen part of Guardians of the Galaxy volume one. It was when I lived in Shanghai, so it was a good maybe seven years ago. And honestly, I cannot remember any of it at all. So I feel like I'm not really cheating because honestly, I can't remember any of that plot. And I wasn't that into it, so I stopped watching it probably maybe half an hour into it. So here goes. So my my first take about Guardians is I think it's maybe the most lighthearted of, of the Marvel movies. I don't see it as being like 
a serious movie in the same way that I think Black Panther is. I think Guardians is a bit more of a of a comedy, a um, bit more of like I think Ant Man's quite quite comical in in parts. So I'm going to put it in kind of the same same line as that. Um, Chris Pratt as well. I also don't really see him as a, a very serious actor. I know him personally. Well, I don't know him personally, but I personally know him mainly from Parks and Recreation, where he plays quite a um, uh, a, a comedic, silly. Um, I don't know how to describe him, but it's comic yeah. relief, isn't yeah, it? It's comic, it's, yeah, yeah. He, he is definitely. He's not a, a serious character. Have you seen him in the Jurassic World franchise? I have, yes. So, but I also don't think that he's going to be like that in Guardians. I think he's going to be somewhere between the two. Yeah, I think the Jurassic World Chris Pratt is quite a serious action hero. Okay, so you think that the Guardians of the Galaxy movie is a bit more juvenile, a bit more jokey, a bit more comedic than something like a Black Panther? Yes, absolutely. So... I don't think that Chris Pratt's character is a superhero. My take on the movie is that he is some kind of average Joe going about his daily business. And then for some reason, it's a bit of a case of mistaken identity, wrong place, wrong time, or maybe right place, right time. And he then gets taken by some kind of alien species and he gets taken to another planet where he meets Zoe Saldana's character, the green alien you, woman. You think this happens to Chris Pratt as a man? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And so he's, he's, like, he's on planet Earth. Okay. Remember, listeners, that she says she's seen this movie. But yes, we like where this is going. Uh, so, so Chris Pratt is a man from Earth that gets taken into space and meets Zoe Saldana. Yes. Okay. And she's called she, Gamora. Right, okay. And she is part of a group of, of guardians and their job is to defend the galaxy. Okay. And they all have different things. So maybe she's the, I don't know, she's like the guardian of, um, I don't know, planets. And oh, okay. the guardian of um, black holes. I don't know. They're all, they're okay. all guardians of something to, to make up. I'm going somewhere with this to make up parts of the galaxy. And she has a little sidekick who is a raccoon who I think his name is, is Rocket or Rocky Rocket. His name is Rocket. Yeah. Rocket. Hey, um, I don't even know how I know that to be honest. So he is a sidekick. And so Chris Pratt's character gets taken up to this planet, this big kind of a bit like a Death Star type thing. They live on like this big kind of spaceship. I know the Death Star is actually a planet, isn't it? But whatever. Um, and Zoe Saldana takes an instant disliking to Chris Pratt's character. And she's like, no, he's not the man for this job, blah, blah, blah. And whoever the powers that be that have got him there, um, they think he's someone else that his, has been basically like, there's been a prophecy to that he needs to basically like join them to save the world. Um, and then they something happens as it does in every superhero movie and very generic. There's a baddie. They go off and fight him, yada, yada, yada. Zoe Saldana's character and Chris Pratt hate each other at first. They At some point, they go to some planet full of trees, and this is where they meet Groot. And okay. in on the planet, there's like thousands of Groots, but this okay. one Groot 
attaches itself to Chris Pratt's character and then a little a little group a little group becomes okay. his kind of sidekick and then kind of sneaks into his bag and then goes off with him and okay. his character and then in a turn of events they're saving the day beating the baddies bums and um Chris Pratt actually saves the day and then gets the title of Star Lord is that his name <laughs> yeah 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 okay cool something else i know like two things um and then zoe sardana's character realizes that actually he's actually quite good and then he officially becomes a guardian of the galaxy he is the the guardian of the stars and then they fall in love uh great well that was a pretty spectacular dummies guide if you're a new listener to chat disney i think that you've definitely joined um at a very good moment to experience how entertaining a dummies guide can be and that was tash's official dummies guide to guardians of the galaxy volume one you can find it in all all good bookstores because you know i think you should publish it um no none of that happens that's very wrong um i'm not going to bore our listeners to tears with what actually happens but a little bit of a of an overview for you tash so you can get into the zone as we talk about volume three today so peter quill is an earthling an earth person and he gets abducted by aliens when he's a child and we see this happen his mother is dying of cancer um in a hospital bed and he gets abducted by aliens we then skip right pardon you were close yeah i was close yeah, you were close. We then have a big time jump and we find our friend Peter Quill. Oh, I should also mention that the mother, when she's dying, gives him an 80s mixtape. That's where like the music, that's why it's 80s music. Yeah. yeah. So he's abducted in the 80s. So he's like a decade older than you and I, Tash. So he gets abducted. We then have a big time jump and he is part of a clan known as the Ravages. And they're basically thieves, crooks, you know, Johan Solo type characters, but in the Marvel world, kind of space pirates, if you will. And he's a thief and he's been asked to retrieve this item. But Gamora, our green friend, Zoe Saldana, is also trying to retrieve this item. So there's a bit of like a cat and mouse. They're on opposing sides, both trying to get hold of this item. Gamora is Thanos' daughter. Did you know that? Did not know that. Yes, she is the daughter of Thanos and she's trying to retrieve this item for Thanos. Peter Quill's trying to retrieve it because it's really expensive and he'll get loads of units, loads of credits. I think it's units in the Marvel world and credits in the Star Wars world, but it could be the other way around. And actually, further down the line, as we get into Avengers Infinity War, Avengers Endgame, do you have any idea what this item actually could turn out to be, Tash? The jewels on Thanos' hand. It is one of the jewels on Thanos' hand. It's an Infinity Stone. Stone. Yes, very nice. Very nice. So for that reason, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1 is absolutely one of the movies that you have to watch before you watch Infinity War and... um, Endgame. And actually, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1 is our first introduction of Thanos. We see Thanos for the first time because he's Gamora's father. So they're not getting on Peter Quill and Gamora. And anyway, Peter Quill is obviously has stolen this item. This, what we find out, is an Infinity Stone. And so there's a target on his head. He's wanted... And so Rocket, who is very much his own character, not a sidekick, Groot is his sidekick. And actually, in volume one, Groot is huge. Um, They are trying to get Peter Quill so that they can get a bounty. So you've got Gamora trying to steal this Infinity Stone off of Peter Quill, who's already stolen it. 
who is being chased by Rocket and Groot. So the four of them have this kind of, they're all enemies and whatever, and they end up getting arrested and dumped in a prison together because they're all thieves and crooks and whatever. And it's in that prison that they meet Drax. You failed to mention Drax. Drax is that big wrestler guy. He's like grey. No? No. Not Does ringing any bells? I have to Google image, image him. Okay, well, Drax is another of the Guardians of the Galaxy that we meet in Volume 1. And together, they break out of jail. And this is where, Tash, Guardians of the Galaxy mission breakout that you spoke about in your California episode a couple of weeks, you really want to ride it. That's what mission breakout is. It's it's very much, it's not the exact same storyline, but it's very much taken from that moment in the first movie where they break out of jail together. And they turn the gravity off. So you can imagine, like, going up and down Tower of Terror style, how that works out quite nicely. They escape and obviously they need each other to escape. And then it turns out that Drax wants to kill Thanos because Thanos murdered Drax's wife and daughter. And he finds out Gamora is the daughter of Thanos. So then he's trying to kill Gamora. But then Gamora is actually like, look, I am actually trying to steal this Infinity Stone so that my father can't have it. I actually hate my father. And they become friends. Loads of other stuff happens. But ultimately, they end the movie together as the newly formed Guardians of the Galaxy. So the Guardians of the Galaxy doesn't exist. This is the origin of how they come to be. And Peter Quill calls himself Star-Lord from the beginning. I've got no idea why. He just does. Oh, okay. All right. Well, there were some bits that I I was kind of close with. So um, I don't think my my take on it was was too bad no i don't either i don't either and you hit more of like a comical comical film yeah so you're absolutely right with the tone of this movie it's definitely more juvenile as i say the music is what makes these movies the guardians of the galaxy movies are my favorite marvel movies not including infinity war and endgame obviously they're my favorite marvel movies i put them ahead of spider-man you know how passionate i am about spider-man i've done the guardians of the galaxy rides in both disneyland and walt disney world and that just made my love grow even more i've done the secret cinema i'm a big big guardians of the galaxy fan um i often Often kind of put myself down a little bit and say, you know, I couldn't hold my own in a Star Wars quiz or a Marvel quiz because whilst I'm a fan, I know that there are much bigger fans out there. But when it comes to Guardians of the Galaxy, I would say I am a proper, proper fan and I challenge anyone to, to beat me in a quiz. I'm a big, big fan of Guardians. So that's how we leave the first movie. At the end of the movie, it's teased that actually Peter Quill is only half human and Peter Quill doesn't know his father And that's kind of where that movie ends. Volume two, Whistle Stop Tour. It's about Peter discovering his father. It turns out his father, played by Kurt Russell, is actually not a man. He's a thing. He's called Ego. And he's like a god. He basically can make planets and things. And he can also shapeshift. So he shapeshifted as a human, fell in love with Peter Quill's mother. And that's how Peter Quill came to be and we actually find out towards the end of the movie and this results in peter quill murdering his father that because he was trying to get to peter he basically impregnated loads of different species around the world to try and produce an heir that would have his powers and none of them were worthy but peter possesses some of his powers and we find this out in the first movie because he's able to hold the infinity stone which is not a normal thing to be able to do it should kill you and it doesn't kill him so 
whatever. But we find out, it goes on and on and on, that his father is a really bad guy. And actually, he was the one that sent the Ravagers to collect Peter from Earth. But the Ravagers didn't give Peter to him because they knew that he was killing these children if they didn't prove worthy and their skills weren't what he was expecting. And in order to make sure that Peter didn't have any ties to Earth, Ego, his father, actually gave his mother the brain tumour. Ooh, nasty. Yeah. And Peter Quill's mother is like, you know, he talks about his mother all the time, loved his mother. It was just him and her and his grandfather. And it's really emotional. And then, yeah, when he finds out, I think Kurt Russell says something like, you know, it killed me to give your mother that brain tumor, but there was no other way. And you can just see his face change and that's it. He's out for blood and rightfully so. So that's all that really happens in that movie. It's not really related to the rest of the MCU, Big, big things to know is Peter finds out more about his parentage. They meet Mantis, who is played by Pom Klementoff, and she's um, like a little insect creature with antennae, and she can feel people's emotions. So she's not a telepath. She's an empath. She can feel people's emotions and control people's emotions, and she becomes a guardian. We also find out in the Christmas special that she's Peter Quill's half-sister because Ego also did the same thing to her mother that he did to Peter Quill. Um, And also Gamora... And Peter Quill form a romance and a love in that movie. We got that right as well. You did. You did. So that brings us on to the rest of today's episode. So now we're going to head into the main part of the episode, doing everything a little bit backwards today. And we're going to be talking about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Now, Tash, as you know, the MCU is never as straightforward as that. Even though there are only two movies, there have been things happening. So the Christmas special I touched upon, we see Groot now as an adult. He's grown. Oh, I I didn't mention that to you. You're probably like, yeah, hang on a second. That makes no sense. How is he big and whatever? Root dies at the end of the first movie to protect the other guardians and they replant him. And then in the second one, he's like a baby and then he gets bigger. So he's big again now, but he looks a bit different. So the Christmas special, we get to see the new Groot looking how he looks now. And we also find out that Mantis is Peter's sister, which they're both really happy about because they've never really had any family. That's quite nice. And we've also seen the Guardians, of course, in Infinity War and in Endgame. And actually quite a lot has happened to them in those, mainly that Gamora is murdered by Thanos. So Gamora is killed. Peter's absolutely heartbroken about it. But in a really weird twist of events, there's an old version of Gamora from the past who somehow time traveled. I can't be bothered to get into it with you, Tash, because we'll be here all day. But all you need to know is there's an old version of Gamora in present day. And this Gamora has never met Peter Quill. So she despises him. So not only has the love of his life died, there's a clone of her walking around who hates him and has no recollection of ever falling in love with him. I quite like the sound of that, actually. I mean, not as like a, you know, something I would want to happen to me in real life, but I I, I like a time travel um, scenario. So yeah, that, that sounds quite appealing. Yeah, it's a good plot point. So going into this movie, I had a few questions. My first question was, are they going to acknowledge that Mantis and Peter Quill are brother and sister? Because it was in the Christmas special. But what if someone hasn't seen the Christmas special? Surely they need to like bring that up again just in case that was one thing a second thing was I saw a little girl with blonde hair running on a treadmill 
in the trailer and it looked like mantis so it looked like a flashback of mantis and then we also saw a baby raccoon that looked like a flashback of rocket so i was like are we getting loads of flashbacks of their lives and obviously we saw gamora in the trailer and i couldn't understand if it was this past gamora or maybe gamora wasn't dead i just that wasn't sure so the gamora thing's been ironed out it is the old gamora the gamora that's bought from the future and as i say she has no uh attachment romantic attachment to peter quill the little girl on the treadmill was not uh mantis it's a new character so that was that and then the third thing about rocket is where we're going to begin our tale now going into this first of all Big, big warning. Spoilers galore. I will be talking about this movie in detail. If you are a big Guardians of the Galaxy volume three fan or any volume fan, but you haven't seen volume three, pause the podcast, come back and join us. If you're not worried about spoilers, don't worry. You can still listen. If you want to maybe hear my take before you decide whether you should go and see it, then as I say, this might be a, a good opportunity for you to do so. And I think that going into this, my love of guardians has probably come across quite strongly so i think people will be shocked with what i'm about to say and that is that guardians of the galaxy volume three is a really good movie it really is however i will never and i mean this i will never ever ever watch it ever again and let me tell you why so we start our movie and we see baby raccoons in a cage and we quickly see that one of those baby raccoons is Rocket. Now, Rocket, Tash, can walk and talk and he talks about in the first movie how he was an experiment and there's a really sad scene when they first get to the jail where they're all stripped off and they're like hosed down with like an actual hose And you can see, and you see Peter Quill kind of look at Rocket with a sad face. You can see like loads of screws and things in his back. So you can see he's been like operated on. It's not very pleasant. So we see this baby raccoon and it's taken out of the cage. And it's very clear that it's Rocket. And we know what's about to happen to Rocket because we see Rocket in present day. How the film starts. Starts. Yeah. Yeah. So then come to present day, you've got the Guardians just chilling out and Will Porter, remember that guy from Channel 4? He's randomly in it. He is like a gold, it's another planet called the Sovereign. They're gold and beautiful. He's one of them. And he comes and he tries to kill Rocket, basically. And he's got like superhuman strength. He basically beats all of the Guardians up and Rocket is dying. He's bleeding from his chest quite a lot. And so the Guardians try and do surgery on him and Nebula, who we actually haven't spoken about, Gamora's sister, who is now a now a Guardian, she is like, we can't operate because he's got something almost like an auto-destruct inside him. So the scientist that built him has basically built this like auto-destruct that if anyone ever tries to tamper with him, he'll just die. So they can't do any surgery on him. So they go on this big quest, basically, and this is the whole plot of the movie, to find the person that did these experiments to Rocket so that they can turn off this auto-destruct thing and give him the medical attention that he needs. That's it. That is the whole movie in a nutshell. 
Now, the reason I say I will never watch this movie ever again is because the entire movie is peppered with flashbacks of Rocket and the torture that he received as a baby raccoon. He is in a cage with an otter called Lyra, who doesn't have any arms. She's got mechanical arms, but she's an otter. There is a rabbit called Floor, who has got metal spider legs like that hideous baby from Toy Story and like a metal mouth. It's hor- like actually horrific, this baby rabbit. And then there's a walrus as well who's got like wheels instead of legs. And they're his friends. The walrus is called Teeth, which is quite funny, but... Anyway, and they're his friends and they live in this cage together while they then get dragged out one by one to have experiments on by a scientist. And the scientist character is horrendous, like actually horrendous. He basically like creates this planet called Counter Earth. And I saw this in the trailer and I was like, what the hell is that? It's this planet where everyone looks like a human and they like walk around in like suits and normal clothes. But like one of them's got a goat's head and one of them's got a pig's head. And this Tash, I know you covered this in the news when I wasn't here about Guardians of the Galaxy winning an award or beating a a world record for the most ever prosthetics and wigs. I am telling you now it's because of Counter Earth. Every single animal you can imagine lives on this like they're just they've all got prosthetics like there's a sheep head and a just everything you could imagine a pig a, a goat a monkey like just all these weird animal creatures they they don't look very good the panda especially looks just it, it looks almost like a meet and greet character at a theme park really or like furries it's very strange but they're all characters they're all they're all animals that have been mutilated and that is the theme of this movie it's about animal experiments and 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 you know tash is a vegetarian i'm not like yeah maybe that's why i feel so much guilt watching it i'm sure vegans will sit there rubbing their hands together going well i don't need to feel guilty about this but it the only word i have for this film is it was disgusting i came out of it The amount of times I kept putting my hand to my mouth and saying to my husband, I can't watch this. And he was the same. And we came out of it and I said, do you feel like really horrible? He was like, yeah, I I don't feel happy. Like I don't feel like I've just gone to the cinema to watch a Marvel movie. And and maybe that's what James Gunn wanted, right? It's the last one in the series. Maybe he wanted to do something meaningful and actually amplify a message. But bloody hell. I mean, there are other swear words I could use instead of bloody hell. I, I'm never watching that film again. I was an emotional wreck. It's a great film. It made me feel stuff. It was emotional. I cried like you wouldn't believe. It it was it was hard to watch. And then it all comes to a head when the scientists basically shoot all of Rocket's friends in, in front of him. And you see this happen, the little bunny rabbit, the otter, the walrus, you see them shot down. And then towards the end of the movie, when you think Rocket is dying, he basically goes to like a Harry Potter-esque heaven, you know, when he sees Dumbledore in platform nine and three quarters and it's all white, kind of place like that. And the otter and the walrus and the bunny are there to be like, it's okay, Rocket, let go. It's, 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 it's a hard, hard watch. Now, there is something that we need to talk about with this movie. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is the first ever Marvel movie to use the F word. So that swear word is in this movie. And it's funny because it comes at the end of the movie. And I remember thinking, 
I'd let my kids watch this for the swear word. Like the swear word is not the reason my kids aren't watching this movie. And I can totally understand why they felt this was the movie to drop it in. Because I'm telling you now, my child would not watch the first 10 minutes of this film, The Baby Raccoons. It, honestly, it is it is a hard watch. And you know me, Tash, I've got quite a strong stomach. Like I don't say this lightly. It is a really horrible, horrible watch, this film. Is it very graphic? very graphic and it's it's worse because it's animals i mean there's a bit at the end when there are children in cages as well but that didn't but that didn't even bother me as much as these animals it was it was really really i'm talking little bunny rabbits little raccoons little it was horrible and and yeah you see them being tortured you hear them screaming i mean at the beginning of this movie when they take rocket out of the cage they throw him into a new because he's with loads of raccoons they throw him into a new cage on his own his head's been shaved bald you can see like his pink skin underneath you can see all the metal they've put in his back and he's a baby a tiny baby okay yeah this you are absolutely doing a very good job of not selling it to me this sounds like i i again it's funny you say the thing about the children because I can stomach this kind of stuff when it's when it's people, but there's something about seeing it with animals, and especially the way that you say, you know, about them being like disfigured and so, like that. For me, no, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm out. I couldn't watch this. No way. I'm literally googling, googling right now the Friends Lyra floor and teeth to get Tasha picture. She's had a little look at the neighbourhood, um, the Motley Crew. Yeah, so. Brace yourself for this, Tash, because it is quite graphic. I'm going to share my screen so that you can see this. We're, we're currently recording virtually. So this is where we've got the three. So this is... Oh, God. Yeah, this is the little bunny rabbit. Yeah, that is hideous. And it, it talks through these, these horrible metal mouth. This is the walrus here, and then this is Lyra. Lyra doesn't look as disturbing, but she has got metal bionic arms. Yeah, no, this is... That, that would be... that. The way they've done that poor bunny rabbit with that thing over its mouth, like, nah, I I couldn't have... I don't even think I'd be able to stay in there and watch it. I honestly turned to my husband a few times and was like, I can't do this. I can't watch this. And if you saw it once, fine. But the whole movie is flashbacks of Rocket's life. So it's consistently throughout. Now, maybe James Gunn, as I say, it's his last Marvel movie. Maybe he wanted to... Anyway, I don't know. He's made a statement, that's for sure. And the movie has had very good reviews. It's a good movie. But for me personally, I see different movies for different reasons. If I'm going to go and watch The Boy in the Striped Pajamas, I've got to really psych myself up for that, right? I don't go to the cinema to watch the latest Guardians of the Galaxy movie and expect to feel that way. So there's an expectation. And this is why I've messaged a couple of our friends that are really into Marvel movies, our friend Laura and my friend Dan, and said, have you seen the movie yet? And they said no, and they're really excited. And I've tried as best I can to, because I don't want to spoil it for them. Of course I don't. But I've tried to be like, you know, I I personally didn't enjoy it because I would say that's true. I can appreciate it's a really good movie. Did I enjoy watching it? No, it wasn't enjoyable. It was really uncomfortable, actually. I've tried to warn them because honestly, there are so many other things I'd rather do on a Tuesday night. I didn't get home till like almost midnight because we went to a really late screening. I, I honestly, it wasn't a good, or if I was going to watch it, maybe I'd watch it in the comfort of my own home or like in the middle of the day. It, I had really vivid dreams after. Honestly, it's really, I can't, 
I, all I can say is, and hopefully our listeners know this just from listening to the podcast over the past few years, Tash is my oldest and best friend, so she can, she can vouch for this. I'm not someone who has, you know, I'm not squeamish when it comes to movies. I watch Game of Thrones. I watch anything. I watch zombie movies. I, I'm, I've got quite a strong stomach, but this was just not it. It was a really horrible feeling f- throughout the movie. It was very odd. It does sound, yeah. And you're also like, you're also not a massive animal person. Obviously, you love Pekin to absolute death. But yeah, I think if that, if this is the sort of movie that would make you feel that way, I think for me, it would absolutely finish me off. And yeah, I I think it, it sounds like the sort of thing that needs to come with a trigger warning. 100%. And that's actually one of the reasons I messaged our friend Laura, because I know she is more into animals than I am. It is interesting when you own a pet. I think that I've maybe got more sensitive to animal welfare and animal cruelty and things like that in movies um well obviously in real life but also in movies I remember Cruella making me much more upset than I think it probably would have done the 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 moment where Wink and the other one are stuck in the building and you think it's on fire um and but I wasn't thinking about my peak and when I was watching it it was just I mean, anyone, if, if anyone watches that movie and does not feel distress, I, I think you need to look into their background because I challenge you to find anyone that wouldn't have been disturbed by this. It was honestly, my husband was like, what on earth was that? The pair of us. And it wasn't just, let's move away from this, this kind of animal torture because I could talk about this for ages. There was obviously other stuff that happened in the movie. It wasn't a joyful movie at all in any respect because... Quill and Gamora are reunited, this old Gamora. And she says to him, you know, I'm not that girl. And he's like, no, no, I know that. But like, you know, you could be like, because, you know, we fell in love one day and there's a few moments where they laugh together. And then there's a moment where she understands what Groot is saying. She kind of laughs at them at the beginning. Groot can only say, I am Groot, by the way, Tash. Um, She kind of is laughing at them like you can't understand what he says. And then there's a moment towards the end where he says, I am Groot. And she goes, oh, well, blah, 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 like replies to him and then sort of realises that she's understood him. Um, So you can see that she's starting to get closer to them. And then you start to think maybe this Gamora is going to fall in love with Quill. By the end of the movie they separate and actually Gamora is a part of the ravages in this alternate world or in her alternate world. And when she gets to the ravages, that's when she's like, I'm home. And they're like, welcome home. And they're hugging her. And she's so happy to be there. She's so happy to be back with them. So yes, it's almost like she appreciates that in an alternate world, she could be a guardian and she could fall in love with Peter Quill but that's not her and this Gamora is a ravager and she's really happy with that and that that's the end that's really sad sounds like quite a depressing movie all around to be honest yeah and then if that's not enough the actual end so Gamora leaves them because they were working on a project together like to try and help rocket whatever she she goes off and then you're left with your guardians and, you know, you've just been through all this trauma with Rocket. You think he's going to die. Gamora's left and it's clear that she's got no interest in Quill. And then Mantis says, look, my whole life I was a slave to Ego, the father that they both shared. Then I kind of became a guardian and I just did everything that you wanted me to. And I really need to go and explore myself. So she goes off. Then Quill's like, 
I should probably go and see my grandpa. Like my grandpa's still in Colorado and I never went back. So Quill leaves them. So in the end, you've got like a new group of guardians and it's Nebula, Gamora's sister, Rocket and Groot. They're both still there. This dog that is pops up very briefly in the first one that suddenly becomes a main character. Um, the guy that I've forgotten the name of, but he is a ravager and he's like Yondu's protege, him. And that gold version of Will Poulter, they become like the new guardians at, at the end. And and so it really, it, it really does feel sad because it's the last time we're ever going to see these guardians on our screen. We know that they've disbanded. We know that Peter Quill and Gamora aren't going to fall in love and that the Gamora he loved really is dead. And we've just watched a, you know, two and a half hour movie about animal torture. Yeah, it doesn't sound uh, doesn't sound like the kind of cinematic experience that you were hoping for. So, do we know? Do I mean they're obviously setting it up now for some kind of brand new group of guardians, so they can kind of take the movie off into another direction. Do we know if we're going to be seeing those characters again, like the Chris Pat character? Do we know if he, we're going to be seeing him again at all? We don't know, but James Gunn said that he was only doing three movies, and it's very clear at the end that. He's going to just live in, uh, is it Colorado? I think it's Colorado with his grandpa. Like, I think I, I think that's the end of the Star-Lord character. I really do. And I don't think, it's weird because Will Porter's character was new for the movie and he had like quite a good character arc and then became a guardian at the end. But I, I don't think, I, I don't think we're going to see these guardians again or not for a very, very long time. So that kind of felt a bit like pointless. Like, why bother? I guess they needed um, somebody to become a guardian while um, Star-Lord had left. Drax remains a guardian as well. Um, and he's very emotional when he says goodbye to Mantis. Drax's actor, forgotten his name, Dave Batista, I think, he's definitely not doing another movie because he's in The Glass Onion. And he said recently like he wants to be in more serious things because his character in the MCU is very, very much comic relief. And apparently the actors like now nah, I want to, I want to do like more serious stuff now. So he definitely won't be in it again. I don't think we'll see Gamora again. Cause she's gone off with the ravages. I, I really think this is the last guardians of the galaxy movie. And it's such a shame because those first two movies are so feel good. You've got the Christmas special. I mean, the fact that they got a Christmas special and they've got two rides in two Disney parks, like they're really, really well liked and just fun. They're really fun. They're great in Infinity War. They're really the part of that movie. Endgame, they're fantastic in as well. We even see them in Thor, Love and Thunder. It's not like they haven't, you know, they've they've been really involved in the MCU. And this is our kind of final moments with them, our goodbye and it just felt so sad. Well, that is a shame. So what would you what would you give it out of 10? It's really difficult. It's really, really difficult. I would give the first two movies nines, I would say. And then this one is really difficult because did I enjoy it? Absolutely not. I'd give it a one. I never want to feel the way that that movie made me feel. It probably affected me more than any other movie I've ever seen in my life, quite honestly, in terms of how it made me feel. And maybe that's because I'm pregnant. I don't know. But my husband was exactly the same. Like, we both were sat in the car on the way home. Like, uh, like I feel horrible. <laughs> we both felt horrible. 
So I have to take that into consideration. I have to. It wasn't as good as the first two movies either. Like the fact that I can summarize the plot in one sentence, they need to save Rocket. Like that is literally it. So I, it's not average. It's not. The Guardians movies are not average. They're above average. So it has to have higher than a five. As a movie on its own, I'd give it a seven or an eight, probably a seven as a movie on its own. But I have to deduct points for how it made me feel. I am going to give it a five. I'm going to deduct two points for how it made me feel and give it a five. Well, there we go then. So, I mean, yeah, that was... um, Actually, I found that really interesting, despite the fact that I have no idea about about Guardians. But yeah, it's assured me that maybe at some point I will attempt to watch the first two, but definitely not that third one. Um, but yeah, let us know what you thought if you have seen it. As always, you can reach us on Instagram at Chat Disney. Or send us a tweet. Let us know if I'm being a big wuss. You can find us on Twitter at Chat Disney UK. And hopefully we'll have something more uplifting in store for you in next week's episode. Absolutely. We will see you next week. Bye for now. Bye. Thank you. Goodbye now. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you. Goodbye.